Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do cover the Green Bay Packers. And we don't credit anything else. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. Today is Wednesday, February 22nd, and we are going to do a couple of things today. Uh, We're going to talk about some news relating to the Packers. There's not a lot of that. So after that, we have sort of an interesting topic to get into that, I mean, you could probably figure out if you looked at the title of this podcast. And then, of course, we're going to talk about position group numero quatre, as the French say. So, first, let's talk about some news. Um, I mean, there's there's some news. The Packers let a couple of contracts void, which means that they essentially let the these players' contracts run to their void years. And void years are just years added onto a contract that essentially are meaningless, but the team has the chance to, you know, renegotiate, come up with a deal that extends the player. And instead, the Packers said, nope, you can run into those void years. We're going to let you essentially become free agents. And those people are Adrian Amos, Mason Crosby, Dean Lowry, Mercedes Lewis, Jerron Reed, Randall Cobb, and Robert Tunyon. And the Packers, I mean, they can still negotiate with these guys, um, you know, as can any any other team once the once the legal tampering window opens. But uh, for now, these guys are just no longer under contract with the Packers. And that doesn't mean that I don't think any of them will be back. I do think that some of them will be back. I think that if Rodgers comes back, you're going to see Mercedes Lewis and Randall Cobb absolutely be back in Green Bay. If Rodgers doesn't come back, I'm more doubtful about those two coming back, though I would love to have them both back. I also expect, especially Tunyon, to be approached by the Packers. I think that they'll say something like, look, man, we, we like what you can bring to Green Bay. You've you've done a lot of great things. You had a great season in 2020. We think you really started showing what you're made of towards the back half of 2022. So we'll give you this deal. I think that they'll say, you know, this is a team-friendly offer for sure. Um, and it's, however, probably going to be very competitive because of Tunyon's down years in 2021 and 2022. And they'll say, look, man, we, we'd love for you to come back to Green Bay. And I think Tunyon will seriously consider it. And I hope that he is back. And then the other guys, Amos, Crosby, Lowry, and Reed. I think that a lot of those guys might just be gone. I think that with Lowry, we've seen him play his last snap as a Packer. I think that Jerron Reed is also pretty much gone, though maybe Gutekunst looks at you know the state of position group number four spoiler alert and says you know reed you can be a a useful cheap piece let's bring you back on a cheap deal and then amos and mason um mason's leg is totally cooked i think it's time for the packers to look towards a new kicker i know that's not necessarily gonna gonna be easy but i think that I think that it might be time to move on from Mason. And then Amos, he's he's been really good. He was so good in uh, in 19, even better in 2020, like all, arguably top safety level in 2020. And then a bit of a decline, but still very, very good in 2021. But just he hit a total downturn from 2021 to 2022. 
played much worse. And so I think that we're going to see the Packers move on from Amos. Maybe they bring him back. If they can bring him back for cheap, I think they will because, you know, he's still a veteran presence. He's a, he's a fine player, <laughs> but I think that he might be gone. So, you know, Cobb and Lewis may be back. I think that Dean Lowry, Adrian Amos, Mason Crosby, Jerron Reed, all probably gone. And then Robert Tunyon, probably the most likely to be back. With that, let's jump into sort of the main topic of today's episode. And that is the discussion around elite offenses. Because the league is an offensive-driven league, offensively-driven league. I think that I will do an episode on, you know, what successful defenses have. But I think the right place to start is with the offense because offense is what everything revolves around at this point. And so I want to look at what elite offenses around the league have in a bunch of different categories and where do the Packers stack up against that and what can they do to improve in areas where they're not as good because there are certainly areas, I can tell you that for a fact, because... They weren't a a top elite offense this past year. So the teams that I'm going to be focusing on, I'm going to focus on three teams in the ASC and three in the NFC. And those teams are going to be Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Dallas. And so I'm going to look at, you know, what do those offenses have in all areas? So the first area I'm going to look at is coach. And generally, those teams all have good to great coaches. On the high end, you have the schematic genius, like top head coach in the NFL, Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid, those are, I would put them right now. Bill Belichick is in the debate, of course, but I think Kyle Shanahan and and Andy Reid are the top two head coaches right now. And then on the lower end, you know, you have Ken Dorsey being Buffalo's offensive coordinator, Sean McDermott, a more defensive-minded head coach for Buffalo, Mike McCarthy for Dallas, and Zach Taylor for Cincinnati. Um, So what what do all those coaches do? So on the high end, of course, you have Shanahan and Reid. And those those guys just make everything so much easier on the offense. They they make life incredibly easy on the QB, specifically with Kyle Shanahan running, you know, his classic system that I've talked about for far too long. Um, you have Andy doing his thing through the air. You know, Kyle opens things up on the ground and in the air. Um, Andy's more of an air raid demon. But I think that that is two major things that those two coaches bring but then what every single one of those coaches does even a Zach Taylor even a Mike McCarthy who I don't look at as as top head coaches in the in the NFL but I think that what they can do a good job of is getting the ball to their playmakers and that is something that you know they may they may lack obvious play designing ability but that is something that is really important to have as a head coach I think they got it and I think that is a key feature of, of all those guys. And and speaking of playmakers, let's look at that sort of group next. So in Kansas City, playmakers include Kelsey, MVS, and Isaiah Pacheco. In Cincinnati, they have Jamar Chase, top receiver in the NFL. T. Higgins, you know, top 15, top 20. And then Joe Mixon, a, a very good running back. Uh, in Buffalo, I, I struggled a bit with this one. I think I'd only put Stephon Diggs in this category. He's a, he's obviously a great receiver, top five, 100%, but I'm not sure they have any other playmakers there. Philadelphia has A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Miles Sanders. And then San Francisco, my goodness, they have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle. And then in Dallas, you have, you know, the nice duo of C.D. Lamb and Tony Pollard. And 
you'll notice, uh, for the most part, Buffalo maybe being the, the main exception, that every single one of those teams has a has a lot of playmakers. San Francisco, I mean, they have four guys over there that can sort of break the game. And those are those are the players that, as I said, they break games. They they are the guy that you give the ball to and you think this is the guy that's going to, you know, kiss the defense goodnight. These are the these are the guys that opposing teams are going to do ha- have to do everything in their power to stop. And I think that I overlooked playmakers from a Packers angle going into this year. I think that's a mistake that I will not be making again because it's so incredibly important. Playmakers are the the wheels that make your offense spin and all of the best offenses, as I just showed you, have a huge amount of playmakers. They have an incredibly large amount of playmakers. And that's something that, you know, we'll see where the Packers stack up there. Another unit, the offensive line. Um, Kansas City, I think they had one of the better offensive lines in the league. They absolutely dominated in the Super Bowl, which was moderately surprising considering the Eagles' fierce and ferocity up front. Um the Bills, they don't have a good offensive line in Cincinnati. You know, they have a decent offensive line without much depth there because they really struggled once injuries started hitting them. But then you get three teams in the, in the NFC with incredible, incredible offensive lines. I mean, Philadelphia, w- one of the best units in football was was their offensive line. I mean, it was incredible. They had all pros and pro bowlers through out. You had Jason Kelsey, uh, an all-pro, uh, Lane Johnson, an all-pro, Landon Dickerson, a pro bowler, Jordan Mailata, a pro bowler, even Isaac, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Siamalo. He was incredible for them, a top run blocker, and he gets almost no credit because, you know, he's hidden behind the other four guys. San Francisco also had one of the top offensive lines in the league. They obviously have, you know, Trent Williams, who is uh, probably the best left tackle in football, and, and then Dallas, a similarly impressive line. So, yeah, you do have the occasional unit in there that's not a- a- up to snuff, so to speak. Uh, the Bills, not they don't have a great offensive line. Cincinnati, you know, a decent offensive line, but, but nothing to write home about. However, you will notice that a lot of teams have really, really good offensive lines. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that all good, offensive ha- all good offenses have because protection and, and general play up front is absolutely crucial in in playoff games. It won the Chiefs the Super Bowl this year without their offensive line absolutely shutting down the Eagles' defensive front like it did. The Chiefs wouldn't have won that game. The Packers, we all know too well, lost playoff games in 2021 and 2020 because of a poor offensive line, David Bakhtiari being injured and having to start, you know, nobodies at tackle. And then, as a result... It's, it's not surprising that the teams that go far in the playoffs and the teams that had the best units in the NFL on offense, Philly, Casey, and San Fran, also probably had the league's best offensive line. So offensive line, another incredibly important unit. And then finally, sort of the last category that we're going to look at, quarterback. Yeah, let me read this to you because it's a, it's a fun list. Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, Buffalo, Josh Allen, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, Philly, Jalen Hurts, uh, Dallas, Dak Prescott, and then Sam Fran, you know, whoever they throw out there, whoever's not injured, Trey Lance, Jimmy G, or Brock Purdy. Um, the QB position is 
one of the most important positions in in sports. I mean, it's the most important position in sports. There's there's no question. A great quarterback makes a great team greater. First of all, I mean, Patrick Mahomes takes everyone around him up about twenty seven notches. Josh Allen and Joe Burrow do something similar, though they maybe only bring the people around them up, you know, twenty notches. Uh, but regardless, a great quarterback is the ultimate weapon, and I mean that's why you see a lot of the best quarterbacks lead the best offenses. Now some don't. You have Justin Herbert out there who's stuck in that wandering Joe Lombardi system, though I believe Joe Lombardi was fired. I don't remember who. Oh, Kellen Moore. Yes. So the Chargers have a uh, have brought in a new offensive coordinator, but Justin Herbert was stuck or has been stuck in a poorly coordinated Chargers offense, but most quarterbacks end up being and leading the best offenses because that is that's sort of what comes with having a great quarterback. You're going to have a great offense. So, we've looked at four categories: coach, playmakers, offensive line and quarterback. And now let's look at sort of where the Packers stack up. So, first coach, I think that this is probably the category where the Packers stack up most favorably. I think that Matt LaFleur is definitely near the top of, um, you know, the top offenses coaches list. He is, he's not ahead of Reed or Shanahan. I think there's no question about that. Reed and Shanahan are both better coaches. But then I think that you can put him ahead of Sean McDermott, um, Zach Taylor, Nick Sirianni, and, and Mike McCarthy for sure. So... Clearly, Matt LaFleur's right up there. He, We've seen what he can do from a scheme, play-designing standpoint. I mean, he's a, that's one of the major reasons that he was hired. That's one of the major reasons that he's been so good because of the things he can do schematically, the, the way he was brought up under Kyle. And we've also seen how he can motivate a locker room. I think there were a lot of questions about that, but I think he proved people wrong this year. And, yeah, he had a down year last year. I mean, there's no question about that. The quarterback in him sort of had issues around play calling, but we're going to see how that irons itself out. Matt LaFleur is absolutely a very good head coach. I think certainly any offense under him is more than good enough to be the best in the NFL, just just like the Packers were in, in back in 2020. So no question, coaches, they stack up favorably. But now we move to the other categories, the playmakers. The Packers roster, as it stands right now, they have two big playmakers, and that is Christian Watson and Aaron Jones. And, you know, that that's good. Um, but it's more like a team like Buffalo, right? It's, it's, it's more like that concentrated, you have Stephon Diggs. This is your playmaker. And as a result, it doesn't really compete with the big four of San Francisco. You don't have those four big-time guys, this Debo, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. You have Christian Watson. You're going to want to double him. Aaron Jones. You're going to want to make sure you stop him. But then you don't have the other guys. You don't have that Brandon Ayuk to say, okay, you double Christian Watson, stop Brandon. And you don't have the George Kittle to say, okay, you've uh, you've clearly chosen to stop Christian, or not Christian, Debo and Brandon. Now you got to stop George Kittle. So I think that while technically, you know, the Packers might have around as many playmakers as some of the top offenses I mentioned, you know, they, they realistically probably have more than Buffalo. They have around as many as Dallas, you know, Christian Watson and and um, Aaron Jones match up relatively favorably with CeeDee Lamb and, and Tony Pollard, but they're definitely far from the talent level that San Francisco has on the outside. So I think that is one area that they definitely need to look at uh, because they aren't 
up where San Francisco is. Yeah, maybe they're level with, you know, Dallas and, and Buffalo, which is good, but they're not up at that top level. And then on the offensive line, similar story here. The Packers have a good, not great, offensive line. And absolutely, after week six, everything got better. They benched Royce Newman and Jake Hansen. They moved Jenkins back to guard, and the Packers really started settling in. You found some really nice pieces in Zach Tom, uh, obviously Elton Jenkins, uh, John Runyon, great guy that they've developed, but they simply don't have the talent of a team like Philadelphia. It's a good offensive line. Don't get me wrong. It's maybe even on a you know Dallas Cowboys level offensive line, but it's not the offensive line that's going to inspire fear into the hearts of opponents as you know as Philadelphia's line does with all pros I mean Kelsey at center Lane Johnson a right tackle I mentioned it pro bowlers my lot at left tackle Landon Dickerson a right guard and as a result you're sort of left in this spot where it's a good offensive line they're they're pretty damn good in pass protection actually I've been really impressed with how they held up really ever since week six in pass protection it's been really good and in the run game you know they're good but it's it's just not this top level. Again, maybe it's on the level of a of a Dallas offensive line. It's probably better. It's definitely better than Buffalo's offensive line. Definitely better than Cincinnati's. But it's not at that Philadelphia-San Francisco level. And that's kind of the issue that we're seeing. And then at the quarterback position, I mean, obviously, first of all, it depends on whether you have Love or Rodgers in there. But just speaking about last year, Rodgers was a good quarterback. I think that's fair to say. I think Rodgers was probably 10th, 9th best quarterback in the NFL, but he wasn't the 2020 or 2021 MVP Aaron Rodgers that the Packers had when they were a top elite offense. And yeah, I mean, I said it. Aaron was a good quarterback. He was probably slightly better than Dak Prescott, again, on a Cowboys level, but he he wasn't that top Mahomes level tier where you could make a solid argument that he was, you know, it's him and Mahomes at the top. So you you may hear all of that and think you know good, um, you know the Packers the Packers had the had a good quarterback, uh, you know on a Cowboys level they had a good offensive line again on a Cowboys level better than Buffalo and Cincinnati you know they had a really good head, they have a really good head coach and their playmakers are their playmakers are are good right they stack up with Buffalo they stack up with Dallas and technically that is that is true. Um, but I think there's sort of more to the story there, because when you when you look at all of those teams and the elite offenses, the elite offenses have a category or two out there where they stand out, where they're way ahead of everyone else. And the Packers don't have that. The Packers stack up with the bottom of the elite offenses in all these categories, right? They stack up with the bottom of the elite offenses in offensive line, in playmakers, in in quarterback play for 2022 at least, but they don't have that one position, one that one category where they're like, yes, they're way ahead. And yeah, I mean, the head coach positions or position, whatever you want to call it, head coach slot is probably the closest that they come, but they simply don't have that or those two categories where they're just way up there. Uh, if, if you look at the Chiefs and Bills, for example, right? The Chiefs and Bills might have lesser playmakers. I mean, the Chiefs, I tried to throw MBS and Pacheco in there, but mainly it's Kelsey there. And then the Bills have Stephon Diggs. However, the Chiefs have the best quarterback that I have ever, you know, truly watched and arguably the best quarterback of all time. And then the Bills have Josh Allen, whose highs are about as high as anyone. So 
they're they may be you know down there in the in the playmaker department but they're way up there like sky high in the quarterback department san francisco meanwhile definitely a lesser quarterback so not not very good the packers have a much better quarterback than san fran but they more than make up for that with the stack of playmakers they have the really good offensive line they have and the absolutely incredible coaching that they have so so sure the packers technically match the top offenses in a lot of categories but they don't aside you know arguably from head coach where i would say they're they're third up there they have if there's andy reed and shanahan on them probably lafleur they they just don't have that standout category where you can say yes that's what makes them great and that's where i want to get to i want to get to a point where you can point at the category or two and say yes that's what makes them great and i think one of those things you should build around is matt lafleur but i think that whether it's aaron improving or love stepping in and being really good um that's that's the quarterback's a spot where the Packers could get to the point where you say, yes, that's what makes them great. And I think similarly, you could also get to a point where, where playmakers are, are a thing that you point to and say, yes, that that's what makes them great. That is these phenomenal players that they have on the outside. That's what makes them so unstoppable. And how do you get to that point? I think that you know, from a quarterback standpoint, that's sort of set in stone. It's going to require, you know, Aaron Aaron bouncing back or Jordan Love stepping in and actually being good. And obviously Matt's going to be Matt. But from a playmaker standpoint, I think that it's going to require, I mean, A, hitting on your draft picks, but B, being more willing to spend draft capital on offense. Because the last time, literally the last time that the Green Bay Packers took an offensive player in the first round not named Jordan Love, it was 2011. The Packers had just won the Super Bowl. So yeah, this is what I'm saying. Go out, emphasize the offense, whether that's, you know, with a wide receiver, a tight end, a tackle, anything else. I, d- I don't care, though, hopefully not a quarterback. I think we have enough of those. <laughs> but that's how you get that outstanding group of playmakers, quarterback or, or the line that can nudge them into that elite offensive tier. You have, you stack up in all these categories. Good line, good playmakers, great coach, arguably. I mean, good to great coach. And, and, good quarterback but you don't have that great playmakers great line great quarterback and that's where i want them to get to so that's what i have there now before we finish this off i'm of course going to talk about position group number four don't think i wasn't going to talk about it it is the time it is that time position group number four we're now in tier you know you should definitely re-sign slash draft a piece or two or three here if you want to be competitive next year that's sort of the tier that we're in and so Without further ado, the position group four, the fourth biggest position group that the Packers need to add to, a position group that stands in the tier the Packers should definitely add to this group if they want to be competitive, that position group is, drumroll please, the interior offensive, not offensive line. Crap, I butchered that. That's embarrassing. Drumroll please, the interior defensive line. Man, I can't believe I screwed that up. That's right. Um, The interior defensive line. That is the position that the Packers definitely need to add to if they want to be competitive. And it was it was really tight between um, this this position group, the interior defensive line and position group three that we're going to hear about next week. Um, But, you know, I, I ultimately decided to go with this group because I felt that sort of the core they had here was was slightly better. And so so let's talk about it. Um, As it stands right now, the Packers have these four players under contract for next year along the interior defensive line. They have Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, and Jonathan Ford. 
Um, but Jonathan Ford, he's shown us, I mean, absolutely nothing. So it's basically three guys up there. You have Kenny, Devontae Wyatt, and TJ Slayton. And that's not a terrible group. I, I actually quite like that core. But herein lies the issue. Joe Barry, he likes his, you know, nickel package, six-man box, and two, two interior defensive linemen, right? You have your, your two linebacker front, you have two guys on the edge, and then you have two interior defensive linemen. That's your six-man box there. And that means that Joe Barry is essentially daring opponents to be patient and run the football. Well, the issue is that opponents can run the football because what the Packers need to do to stop their run, they don't do. So either you can ideally load the box or something, but the, the Packers don't do that. So they need their two interior defensive linemen and, you know, the four guys on the line in total, including edge rushers, of course, but mainly their two interior defensive linemen to play a very specific hard to master type of type of run defense and simply put the Packers do not have the guys to execute that run defense that they want to you know play with and it's it's not totally a lack of talent I mean Kenny Clark is an absolute beast he absorbs double teams like nobody's business but behind that you have a bunch of you know young players you have Devontae Wyatt just coming off his first year he's a totally fresh prospect who's technique still needs work you have tj slayton who yeah he's going into his third year now he's a massive body but he isn't exactly you know that big time disruptor and as a result the packers are getting run all over they got run all over last year even with an addition of jerron reed they will continue to get run all over if they do not make a change and now that change could be as i talked about you know altering the defensive scheme to incorporate, you know, more heavy boxes, tight coverage, dare the defense to pass, but that's not Joe Barry at all, at all. So I think that the Packers change needs to be more of a beefing up the interior defensive line. Yes, I, I like the core that they have. I like this strong core of Kenny Clark, you know, top nose tackle in the league, Devontae Wyatt, extremely talented prospect, and TJ Slayton, you know, big body, good disruptor guy. Um, and that's all, of course, assuming that Devontae continues to get better, TJ improves as well. But uh, aside from that core, um, even with the defensive line looking moderately strong there, it is it is such a rotational position that I want two more guys. I want players, ideally veterans, that can come in and do the do the dirty work. I don't need a Chris Jones. I don't need an Aaron Donald. I just need a big player that can stand up, stand in their gap, you know, cover the gaps and say, no, you're, you can try passing on me, but you sure as shit ain't running on me. That's what I want to see. And again, a strong core, Kenny, Devontae, TJ, that strong core is why this position group isn't higher up on the list, because I, I think they're okay with that core. But I think that they need to add a player or two that they can rotate in with, you know, Kenny, and that player can stand up in the run game. And Javon Hargrave, Jerome Payne, those are like two big-time names in free agency. I don't expect the Packers to go after those guys. But I'm, I'm looking more at the cheaper guys, a, a Puna Ford. Maybe maybe even the Packers are feeling luxurious at Draymond Jones, guys that can stand up and hold their own. And I think that if the Packers can invest in a couple of cheap interior guys, it's going to do absolute wonders for their defense. It will ideally help stop the run games that devastate the Packers, leave the Packers in absolute hell, leave me in hell watching on my couch. So 
that is that's what I have. That's what I want to see. I I like I like the defensive line core. I've said that a million times. Kenny, Devontae, TJ, good core. But throw in two veterans there. Throw in two guys, two rotational pieces, because that's how you stack up the defensive line. That's how you give Kenny Clark help and make sure he doesn't go through slumps where he's forced to do everything. And again, it's only at four because I like that core. But I think that you definitely need to add a piece or two to that position if the Packers plan on competing at a high level. So that is what I have for you. That's what I have. As always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. We'll see when I'm uh, next back. I think, well, I'm not, I, I don't think. I know I'll be back on Sunday unless we get some miraculous Aaron Rodgers news um, between now and Sunday, though I tend to doubt it. I think that we won't get any news on Aaron until perhaps next Tuesday, but that's, that's the earliest that I think we'd get it. Um, so I'll be back on Sunday, again, doing position group number three. Get excited for that. And then we're only, you know, seven days away from the Combine in Indianapolis. Get excited for that. That is pretty much all that I have for you. As always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. And until next time. Go Pack, go. Go Pack, go.